Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. Longest-running motorsport magazine show, Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests, and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine, and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. I'm going to start tonight's programme with an apology for all of those of you in the UK. It is my fault. I've not had the 968 for nearly 11 weeks. It had its winter tidy and its ceramic coating refreshed. Thank you, Ryan, from Huntsmiths. And I brought it home on Thursday. So, of course, it's now raining, isn't it? It's been undercover uh, for 11 weeks after... (laughs) First three days I get it home, it's drizzled, it's been drizzled on, it has been uh, pollened and dust on, and now it's being rained on. And I, I also simply think it's Samantha Burns, the redoubtable Samantha Burns, one of our uh, office managers for Mobile One Radio Le Mans, uh, she's taking a week's holiday this week, so I think it might be partially her fault as well. Hello everybody, welcome along to Midweek Motorsport. Wednesday the 3rd of June can you believe it and we're on series 15 episode 22 of Midweek Motorsport uh, I'm live at Hindhoff Towers we'll bring the team in uh, from our socially distanced locations around the country up in London our executive producer Tim Greer on duty as ever and on a packed programme tonight Tim we have what we have all the usual features but I'm not worried about the rain. In fact, I'm quite enjoying having rain on Wednesday because it means that I can concentrate fully on the show and not have to nip out and wash the garden. That's a fair point. Well made and beautifully presented. What's on tonight? Uh, we'll be talking calendar news. Oh, you do love a good calendar, don't you? Because we talk about that every week now. Yes. Uh, <laughs> we'll be... And it's always different. Uh, we'll have uh, the interviews, the VCO Victory Day interviews from the latest round of the Digital Nürburgring Langstrecker Series, uh, which took place at, on Saturday. I couldn't say it's Nürburgring, but virtual Nürburgring. Uh, we will be looking forward to some real-world motor racing, which takes place this weekend. IndyCar is back. Adam will be joining us in the second hour for that. And our big interview is uh, a man whose views I've wanted to hear for the last 11 weeks um, and about how the coronavirus outbreak has affected the travel industry and specifically uh, travel destinations. Richard Webb will be here with us after 9 o'clock. Smashing. All good stuff. There's some F1 news as well around the place at the moment. That kind of falls under calendar news as well Uh, but let's start in the usual way, the traditional way I think it's uh, fair to say and uh, the parish notices at Spectre if you want to get in touch with us and Tim can you turn yourself up 
to uh, me and the listener, please. A number of people saying... Is that better? Oh, that's much better, love. You put the butch filter on. How exciting. Stephen Gardner says... I've taken the unbutch filter off. (laughs) This is my normal speaking voice. (laughs) I'm available for... Answer phone messages. Uh, Stephen Gardner says, no AFAs again tonight. Looking forward to the show. Uh, we'll be tuned in whilst watching the Bundesliga. The 124th scale Ford GT Le Mans looks a bit like an oversized go-kart, but I'm wiring in lights into the body before final assembly. And Stephen, I've retweeted that. That's very good. And a number of people, in- including A110GE, uh, very impressed with the LED Lights. Hello to Kevin Pearce listening live tonight. Looking forward to hearing from Richard Webb. He says, you know, I've kind of missed not hearing, but we normally hear at this time of the year in the previews. Uh, sadly, I know it won't be hearing his tips and knowledge of what to do around Le Mans 24. Uh, we'll get him on in hour two, just after nine o'clock. That's why he's on the show tonight. Uh, as well, uh, VCO Motorsports are tuned in tonight. Another great race from them at the weekend in the DNLS. Uh, and they're looking forward to tonight. Another packed show, says Dave Olcott to at Specutainment. Looks like the grease gun might be needed. Great to have Cyril Teshvalen on tonight. Uh, Rehe's organisation of the Asian Le Mans series calendar. Surely that's a lesson to other series in consideration for stakeholders and other series for working with team several standing by we'll have him in a moment or two's time uh, also I'm not impressed with much of the travel industry queuing up for grants so I feel sorry for the likes of Richard and his travel destinations team who really do care about giving clients a first class service and must be faced I must be sick and tired of, fa- of being facing a debilitating commercial uncertainty uh, nicely said Dave I spoke to Richard earlier on the week when we're setting this up before he comes on tonight. I think you might find there's a refreshing bit of difference with how TD are looking after uh, their clients. Uh, David Raleigh, ready to go again, keeping alive the listening streak, the live listening streak. No AFAs for Spooner in orange either. Uh, listening in tonight, Alexander Orkin, uh, looking forward to the fabulous uh, show after chicken and chorizo stew uh, I hope you got the information that Eve sent you uh, Alex and thanks for that RTL tuning in to absolutely nobody's surprise he says uh, and Spooner in Orange listening whilst clearing the eye calendar of original 2020 marshalling race dates and ready for club meetings updates next week and there, there was an almost back to racing update from the Brit- British Motorsports uh, Marshalls Club uh, today, which I noticed. Bonnie Elysium tuned in from the Cube 3.0. Uh, good to know you're with us, Monica, this evening. Calling in with an AFA says slow pass. Errands uh, is all we're getting there. Uh, sat down, ready to listen to what's been going out there in Motorland, says Guff Lamont. David Walton, uh, hopefully getting the dates over the weekend for marshalling as he's ready to go as well. Uh, no apologies for absence, says Matt Hindman. Done my weekly trip to the supermarket, ready to sit down and enjoy some midweek motorsport. Davy Two Bruce, apologies for absence from DTB tonight. Uh, he said, My far better half is playing me tracks for her forthcoming DJ set on internet radio. We'll hopefully join you in the second hour. We need more details of that, DTB. 
I do like a bit of a mix. Started mid-career on the ones and twos, mate. So let's have a little bit of all of that. Uh, Chris Suku checking camping equipment for a staycation Le Mans iRacing weekend in the back garden soon. Hello, Rick Perry. Uh, hello to Acre Sky, who's uh, got the first non-apologies for absence. League racing ha for a few weeks has been taking priority, but loud and clear tonight. Excellent. Fat Crack Racing uh, tuned in tonight. Matt Hunter just uh, a little bit late tonight. Been hustling a new BMW M4 GT4 around Donington Park. That's the new car in iRacing. Time got away from me. It does that, doesn't it? Uh, tuned in from uh, Monterey Bay and the Artichoke Bunker. The two brinks are in tonight. Dave Walton, Fed Watered and Ready, Neil Gardner as above. Uh, Tommy this and Tommy that as well. Uh, Shea Adams listening in, that's good. Uh, and no apologies from Jonathan Main. Tim, what's the top story tonight? Well, I'm going to start by uh, proving that we're live by saying the score is now 2-0. Excellent. All the latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek Motorsport. And we're going to start with some calendar news, as I promised a little Yay. earlier on. And uh, the particular calendar we're looking at is the uh, Asian Le Mans series calendar, which has uh, come out and been what's the adjective I can use to describe it? Announced. Truncated. Drastically altered, perhaps. Squeezed. Um, squeezed. Uh, let's uh, let's find out uh, in what way that has been done. Delighted to say that we welcome again the mid-week motorsport. Uh, our, our friend in the Asian Le Mans series, Cyril Tashvalen, Earlier this week, you announced uh, the calendar uh, for the next season of the Asian Le Mans series, and you've you've crammed it into a very compact uh, area. Give me an idea of the rationale, the thinking, uh, and the logistical considerations that go behind those dates that you announced earlier this week. Uh, John, you know, first and foremost... I didn't think that we would have to and would be able to shorten the calendar even more than the, the, the official one we announced on April 6th, which was already very compact uh, because it was a 60-day calendar from Suzuka to uh, the last run in, in Sepang. Uh, but yes, um, the situation is um, not clear enough um, for the moment. The, the first thing, for instance, is that we don't have in Asia these EU borders, which we know in Europe. So when everything will reopen again uh, without any quarantine, etc., uh, in Europe, everybody will be able to travel. The problem is that in, in Asia, you don't know. And um, th this is a bet we can't take at the moment where we need, as a race promoter, to be able to give our stakeholders and the teams and their customers, the drivers, visibility and a plan which makes sense. Because as a race promoter with the ACO, if we want to keep series alive, we need to be able to gather the biggest possible grid. And if we want this to happen, we need to help teams. Hence the reason why for weeks now, we started a very deep conversation. We have been talking with the team principals, some of the drivers on a very regular basis, thinking about what would be the ideal contingency plan, the, the real 
workable, doable plan B. The rationale behind making such a drastic decision was based on the fact that we still have a load of uncertainties when it comes to travel, international travel restrictions in Asia from the USA and Europe. And, you know, Le Mans is on 19th and 20th of September, meaning that all the teams that would like to take part to the Asian Le Mans series must have, and especially the Asian ones have been selected from last season. They need to be able to go back on time to Asia. Good point. They, 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 they need to sign their agreement with their drivers. They need to finalize their budget way before Le Mans. So way before Le Mans, if it's early July, to make sure we have a business case for them, is too late for them. Yes. We made that decision on something which I'm really happy with, which is the unanimous agreement from the team principals. And um, Pierre Fillon, who I've been working with on, on, on this um, very deeply, uh, is very pleased as well because we got unanimous agreement. And th this new calendar is going to be a real challenge. Don't get me wrong. The point about the interconnected nature of it all, Cyril, is, is well made. I like to look on the bright side of everything. But is this I an always, opportunity? You know, John, I have a tendency never to give up. And I, I would like to look on the bright side. Always. We have to be pragmatic. We have to be realistic. We can't just dream about the ideal situation. You know how much I would have loved to be able to start in Suzuka and bring the Asian Le Mans paddock in Suzuka for the first time on November 29th. But at some point, you have to make business decisions, which makes sense for everybody's interest. So by moving this calendar to January 2021 only, we give all of us, for everybody's interest, an additional buffer when it comes to potential situations to come. And this is the beauty of having been able to manage this with Bururam and Sepang International Circuit. Because, you know, in Europe, people are looking at the European Championships calendar, international like ELMS or national GT championships in Europe, having been reshuffled, repo repositioned. But it's the same in Asia. Yes, and, and not even mentioning the fact that in, in Asia, as in Europe, some of the championships have not even started. With the load of uncertainty, it was, to my opinion, and to the, the opinion shared with the, the team principals um, and the ACO, the best possible move given the circumstances. And talking about looking on the bright side, John, if I may, we are pragmatic, realistic, but also we are optimistic and we are ambitious. That doesn't mean that because we have to, sh to, to, to play with this so much strength calendar in 2021, January 2021, that the Asian Le Mans series is not aiming at keep developing its footprint exactly. in, Asia, in the Asia-Pacific region, namely going to Suzuka at the end of 2021, going back to China, which is, which is a must, going back to the band, etc. And this is where the keystone of such a decision was making sure that we were trying to tick as many boxes as possible yes. for the interests of all stakeholders. And this is addressing and probably answering that big question. Our listeners will hear the enthusiasm in your voice as you talk about that. The two circuits, four races over effectively three weeks, an extraordinarily compact calendar. And both of those events are going to have a weekend race and a weekday race as well. 
but why why not of course john why not given the circumstances it just makes pure common sense this is not rocket science here this is this is going to be challenging don't get me wrong and this is something i really would like to highlight very much so it's going to be a, a challenge cyril no doubt for you for the teams for the Asian Le Mans series teams for the venues. But we're not talking about a dilution of the Asian Le Mans series here. Yeah, yeah you, you, if, if you like, you're, you're putting a flame under it and you're reducing it a bit. But in culinary terms, when you reduce something, all you do is intensify the flavours. And I get the same sort of idea here. Yeah, ex- exactly, John. This is exactly what we aimed at doing uh, keeping, the, 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 of course, the quality of uh, the organization and the fact that we'd have that uh, very, very shortened calendar over three weeks doesn't mean that we are going to compromise the quality of the organization. This is not going to change anything with regards to the quality of the uh, technical regulation, sporting regulation put together by the HO Sport Department. This is not going to be, uh, we're not going to compromise the TV package, the communication package, which we deliver to uh, the audience and, and, and the paddock every season this, with Eduardo Freitas in race control and this is, this is not going to compromise the level of the ACO Racing Environments organization we deliver every time. This is going to be challenging for teams because four, four races over three weeks is a kind of a challenge. And this is the, the way we have to, to, uh, to present it anyway. And I have to say that so far, the um, reactions have been widely welcomed and, and, and rather positive uh, everywhere. Uh, and I, I would like to thank you again for giving me the opportunity to, to, to explain the rationale behind such decision, because it's important for us to, to explain what we do. And um, Racer, Daily Sportska already did it, Endurance Info, and people like you guys all together uh, promoting endurance racing, being able to echo the rationale behind mm. the business decision we make for the sake and the interest of the paddock is something which is really important. And, you know, by doing so, we, we are, this is something I, I would like to highlight as, highlight as well. We are going to give teams, and this was one of the boxes we needed to tick, allowing teams to save on cost by allowing them to see freight for the inbound and the outbound. And we also are now discussing with some team principles on how to even more reduce their costs and this is a discussion we are having with the teams on a very regular basis but we once again we can't do everything but this is going to be maybe good leads for the future of internal brainstorming mm-hmm. and the way we see and put together the the seasons to come this would have been probably a lesson which we need to learn from um, but again the ambition of course is still there keep expanding the footprint of Asian Le Mans and positioning it, as I already said for five years, making sure that Asian Le Mans becomes the reference endurance racing series in Asia. And I want to believe that you can still be seen as a reference when you don't only expand the footprint of your series from a season to the other, but you also manage to do that by helping teams survive, go through these difficult times and work hand in hand with them to deliver the best possible product. Two final questions from me. First of all, quite a fundamental one. I know that you've spoken to all of your stakeholders. What is your feeling in terms of the 
the take-up of interest from non-Asian regional teams. Uh, will they will they be able to? Will they want to? Will they be in the position to? Or will you have to rely more on the teams and the entries from the region itself? I would say that so far, with the information we have to date, there is a strong interest from newcomers in Asia or potential returning teams from Asia for the Asian Le Mans series. And it's the same. I'm, I'm lucky to say that it's the same in Europe as well. Great. New teams having never raced in Asia before. And this is also because of this current situation. This is not only based on the fact that we have announced the day before yesterday this very, very compact new calendar. They were already working on budget to join Asian Le Mans on the basis of the official calendar we had in the first place, including the start in Suzuka on November 29th. So now that we have put this new calendar together, aiming at uh, allowing everyone to come and hopefully in the safe possible way, and for teams to save on cost, I would say that on the paper, the interest is even bigger than before. So that's that's a good sign. It is a good that's, sign. That, that said, John, I can't read the future. I can't read teams' mind and, and gentlemen drivers' mind. I hope they realize and they see the opportunity to go in Southeast Asia on two grade one facility in 2021. The psychological aspect of not r- racing in Asia in 2020 is also part of the, yes. of the reasoning of some of the gentlemen and the teams, which I fully appreciate. So it's altogether, this move is ticking many, many boxes. I really want to believe that people really understand uh, when you see that major championship are stand still or have not even started yet. Yeah. People can't complain about seeing race promoter and an organization like the ACO making such a move for the sake of helping their stakeholder. You mentioned the two circuits, Buriram and Sepang. Why those two circuits? That's That was my final point. Easy. The, the balance on budget and the... the 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 attractiveness of uh, such um, location because again if we if we want to 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 make to make it as cost effective as possible you you, you can't afford having teams uh, air freighting their quit and their kit and, and cars in southeast asia you can do trucking so that, that's that's an easy that's an easy decision because w- when uh, when you you consider that from suzuka to malaysia for instance you need four weeks between two events you can't do such a calendar over five weeks, you know, and with with the five weeks uh, shipping in between. When from Buriram to Sepang, you can do land transportation in two days and a half. This is what we did for the first time last season from Sepang to Buriram. Exactly. So this is the only location in Asia with racetracks available in 2021. Remember what I told you about the psychological aspect of not running, running in 2020. Racetracks are super busy as well, you know, and cool. lots of Asian championships are, are, are repositioning their, their calendar. We don't even know uh, when Super GT will resume for sure. So the, the, the thing is that we don't clash with many of the uh, other championships in the world. We allow teams from everywhere in the world to see freight for both the inbound and the outbound. And we really concentrate international travel. So most of the teams are even thinking about flying once only and yes. stay in Southeast Asia for three weeks in a row. And then you minimize 
as much as possible the potential travel restrictions slash quarantine slash visa situation we may face by them. Yeah. Tourism board in Malaysia and Thailand have expressed the, um, the fact that they wanted to open their country for tourism, which is very important for the, uh, these countries, as you, as you know, to uh, Asian tourists starting in July, if everything goes well. And by September, last quarter of 2020, they hope they can reopen to um, long-haul flights from the USA and Europe, which, again, gives us enough confidence to make the call of shrinking the Asian Lemon calendar uh, to the three weeks challenge in January 2021 instead. You you use the words uh, pragmatic but realistic, and I think that sums up everything that you've been talking uh, to us about here, Cyril. Thank you very much for your time. Well done to you and the team. Uh, this is no small achievement that you guys have pulled off in in this calendar. We wish you the best as all, as you, always. I have to say, I have to say, this is also thanks to the teams that have been supporting the idea and contributing. Of course. To- the decision-making process we, we, we made with the, with the ACO. And I think that at the end of the day, this is making us even stronger in terms of the relationship we have with the stakeholders. And Total and Mishnah, the main Asian Le Mans partners for five years, have been supporting the idea as well. So now we just need to make sure that international flights will resume and we go back to normal. Uh, fingers crossed. And meanwhile, we'll have to promote uh, the Asian Le Mans. And, uh, you know, we have uh, lots of things to do, lots of, lots of work ahead of us. But it's a, it's a step. And we really needed to, to give teams visibility and clarity. At least they have something they can really start working on for now. Stay safe, my friend. Thank you very much for your time Thank again, Thank you, Cyril. for having me. Speak soon. Well, let's take a look at that calendar. And... Uh because you mentioned the venues, but not the dates. Uh, <laughs> so it starts on the 9th of January, uh, which is a Friday um, at Buriram. And then the next race is on the Sunday, the 11th of January. And then there's a big gap, uh, which just happens to coincide with the... So that's, that's Friday and Sunday, is it? Friday and Sunday. I thought it was Saturday and Monday. It might be Saturday and Monday. But anyway, go on. Either way, there's uh, one day in between. Mm. But then there's a whole weekend off, which just happens to coincide with the 24 hours of Dubai. Yes. So drivers who want to run in the Asian Le Mans series and do the 24 hours of Dubai can do that. Mm -hmm. As long as they're back in uh, Malaysia by Thursday for the... uh, That's not what it's been done for, as you heard Cyril say there. It's a a happy coincidence. Yes, but then then the next two is it's is it a Saturday and a Tuesday or a Sunday? No, it's and a Thursday and a Sunday, I believe, isn't right. it? Yeah, it's definitely some. Uh, there's definitely, as I said there to Cyril, there's definitely some midweek racing, and I and I think that's a great idea. There's no reason for there not to be. As he said it's a no-brainer. So I, I think it's great. I think that it's in a, a good position. Uh, Tom Firth saying. It makes sense, definitely. doesn't fail a million miles from NASCAR putting a race on Sunday and one midweek, Mike. The difference, the scale of the calendar and size. Sounds like the same rationale talking cross-border versus state borders, uh, of course. Uh, Dave Olcock says, will this season of Asian Le Mans series that you've been talking about include the regular uh, winners of receiving invitation to Le Mans? Uh, yeah, uh, yes, absolutely. No, I, I didn't ask that from Cyril. I, I, sorry, I, I, I took that as read. Uh, and it says it's a new challenge 
uh, for the team. Um, four races in a tight time frame, but no compromise. Sounds great with the same coverage and personnel. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, great. Uh, the series is in great hands with Cyril Tashvalen running the series. Great to hear someone in his position so being, being so open and enthusiastic, but thinking about the sports interest globally. Really good example to others. And in fact, just had a tweet from the Asian Le Mans series. Yes, it will still attract the invitations uh, to uh, Le Mans. People have got to think of of innovative solutions in a period of the year at the end of this season and the beginning of next where fixture congestion which we've talked about so much on this show is going to be an issue and think back to what Cyril said there about you know we haven't got the Japanese Super GT calendar revised calendar yet there are various Asian series as well that you've got to get around. And he's been talking to all of those guys. Yeah, Super Yeah, There's the uh, Asian t- uh, Chinese touring cars, although that doesn't have a huge crossover. Um, but you've also got to think about... Um, and Macau's been cancelled, of course. Yes. And the FIA GT Cup in Macau's been cancelled as well. Be- before, um, earlier on the week, when um, I was I was talking... Um, with Jane Rowe, who set that up, and thanks, Jane, very much for that. We were talking about, you know, how everything's been working, uh, and, and indeed, earlier on in the week when I spoke to Cyril as well, before he came on live tonight, the, he was saying that actually, right now, they are exactly where they would normally be. You know, he's in France, Jane's here, there's parts of the team who are in Asia, Australia, uh, you know, Antipodes, whatever. So actually, remote working, that we would call it, is is actually what they do anyway. But they've used the opportunity to be able to talk to people and try and put as much as they can in the shortest amount of time so that they don't trip up over anybody else. Now, is that the first weekend? It's likely to clash with the, the roar at Daytona. But there's barely any crossover, even now. And there may be even less then. I, I think they've done a really, really good job under very difficult uh, conditions. Dave says the Asian Le Mans series can count on me watching and supporting. Uh, congratulations to Cyril's team for pulling this together for stakeholders and fans. Will Radio Le Mans be com- providing commentary? Um, I, I, I don't think so. Um, we've we've discussed doing radio or an audio feed, an international audio feed for that before. This might not be the year to do it, given the cur- the current circumstances. But never say... Never, because it's a, such a good uh, series. Tim? Uh, and just to confirm, it is Saturday, Monday, Sunday, Tuesday. Yes, I thought it was. You, you confused me there. I, Were you I looking, looking at the at wrong, the wrong year? January, yeah. <laughs> Still doesn't clash with anything. No, no, yeah, excellent. Though, exactly. Although, as you say, we don't know when uh, the war before the 24th Daytona is going to be. Um, I, I think it'll be that week, that first weekend, but I don't think that's going to be an issue. Um that is also the, the 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 projected weekend at the moment for the Abu Dhabi, the new Abu Dhabi six hours, the Gravenic yes. race. But then, as you say, the following weekend, the the fallow weekend, if you will, for Asian Le Mans series, it's the bigger race. is the Dubai 24. Then it'll be the weekend of the two races uh, at uh, Sepang, um, and then it will be Daytona 24. So it's a busy, busy, busy January. But 
if you don't have to travel, if you can do it remotely, pff, not good for me. What, what sort of cars are we expecting at the six hours of Abu Dhabi? Is that a TCR race or is it um, a GT4 race. as well? Yeah, it's a Creventic race. So anything that's Creventic, uh, I believe it's anything that's Creventic. So we shall investigate that and uh, hopefully be talking to someone from Creventic next, next week. Next week. We have some Creventic news tonight, though, still to come. Uh, it's calendar news. More calendar news. Would yes. you like to elucidate, Mr. Uh, because lots of other series have announced partial calendars this week, including Formula One, Nick Damon. Hooray! We're back. Or oh, I'll say we're back. They're back. It's back. We will be back. It's a few weeks. They're going to come back. But no one can watch. Well, not there. Anyway. <laughs> So <laughs> that's that's not that's not great to go on the if that was the movie poster, that's not yeah. the great quote, is it? I, I'm just no, talking it to the hooray, to be honest. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, I think you know, it's uh, it's it's kind of um, well. I mean, I think I think it's we all knew what was going to happen. It's, it, it, there's just been a slight tweak to the to the order, really, isn't there? Um, nothing was a surprise. Um, yeah, we we weren't too sure whether it was the Hungaro ring or Hockenheim that was going to get the nod, and I think that because Hockenheim wasn't actually a track on the on the circus when um, F1 came to an arrangement with the British government about the the I'm going to say it because I can do I make a, I'm going to make a political statement the ridiculous quarantine they put in place for the UK. Stop it. Uh, no, I can say that. I'm, I'm allowed my own opinion. Not opinion of the show. Not opinion of RSL. Opinion of Nick Damon. It's only because um, you want to go to Portugal for a couple of weeks. It's just it's it, it literally if you look under a description, which yeah, you absolutely yeah, there's, can, there's, there's, you just can't come back. There's a dictionary of, of, of famous sayings, it's, and there's, under, under you know bolting bolting the stable door off the uh, shutting the stable door off the horses bolted. You've got the UK's quarantine plan. What's no, I do out? like bolting the stable ho- door after the uh, horse already. So it's ha- locked twice. I'd, I'd quite like to Double bolt lock- the as, as closed. Yes. Double lockdown. Yes. Yeah, so back to, back to the main story, of course, is we are going to start with the Austrian Grand Prix. Then we have the Styrian Grand Prix. Pardon? What date is that? July the 5th, is it? July, July the 5th is correct, yes. And then the yeah. Syrian Grand Prix, which is on... The, the five, plus, five plus seven. Twelve, sorry, twelve. Yeah, twelve. So the 19th and the Hungarian the Grand Prix. And then the Magyar, yes. That's Mag- the 19th. Magyar. Is, is it the 1st of August or the 2nd of August? That's the 2nd of August, if you It's the British 14, Grand Prix. 19, and then the yep. 9th of August, we had the 70th anniversary Grand Prix. I really feel they missed, missed an opportunity to call it the Two Shires Grand Prix. So, oh, but I think they missed, already, I, they missed a much better shot. No, no. What they should have done for the ultimate irony of all time is quit the Grand Prix of Wales. <laughs> already. Um, for, that would have been a very in joke, but only for the people who listen to this show. And why shouldn't we get up? Well, you know, come on, we, we, we've supported F1 now on the air for 15 years. We deserve it. I'm, I feel like I should ring up Stuart Pringle immediately <laughs> and say, can it be in brackets the Grand Prix of Wales? Yeah. Uh, At least internally. So already uh, two new events <laughs> on the calendar, um, and our first visits to Styria and 70th anniversary uh, in this uh, Formula One season. Yes, I mean it's, it, 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 there is no option in uh, Austria to run a different track, so there'll be two races on the same track. I, I assume with FIA agreement there could be a slight change to Silverstone, but I don't suppose they're bothered. They're just running into two two versions of the same circuit. Oh, oh and that, that's interesting because one of the things that I meant to say to Cyril uh, about there is they're going to still do the races in the dark. So there'll be a, a race that finishes at twilight and a race that finishes at the dark at, 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 at each of the 
of, of their double headers effectively but the the two four hour races that's on the same track but they're going to start at different times of day so doesn't Buriram have two configurations well yeah always one of them only for bikes nice on the, on the, yes on the exactly that's a good point that is a good um, point but the interesting thing, of course, remember, is we are starting with two races in Austria, which has, for the last two or three seasons, been traditionally probably Mercedes' most weakest track. So there's a good chance that Mercedes won't win the first race of the season or the second race of the season. So, and also the and third race, not the third, to be honest. Yeah, Hungary is also a Red Bull circuit. So you could see, you could we, we could be coming to uh, it's not beyond the realms of, of of fantasy to be turning up. In the UK, with Max Verstappen with three wins under his belt. Or Alex Albon. No, with Max Verstappen with three wins under his belt. Uh, <laughs> round six of the championship uh, will be going to the circuit of Catalonia. Yes, it's Barca. See, the weird thing is, though, the circuit of Catalonia was perfect to have multiple races because you can call it so many things legitimately, can't you? You know, the Spanish Grand Prix, the yeah. Barcelona Grand Prix, the Catalan Grand Prix. The European you know, Grand Prix. European Grand what Prix. What I think the is that they're going Grand to Prix. they're saving all of these names for uh, when they realise that they can't go out of Europe and they have to have oh. races at Jerez and Aragon and Valencia. Uh, well, well, hang on, they just call it MotoGP, then, weren't they? Possibly, and then they <laughs> go, can go to both Portimao and. Uh, Estoril. Estoril, and one of those yeah, could be Algarve the... Grand Prix and the Portuguese Grand Prix. Or the Atlantic Grand Prix. Oh, I like oh, the Atlantic, Atlantic Grand Prix. Grand Prix. So we had the Pacific have... Grand Prix. No, oh, no, very good. Very good. Ada. Yeah, one of your um, favourite circuits, Nick? Uh, no, it's awful. Grand Prix of Wales getting Kevin Payne's vote at Spectatainment. Maybe that could be held in Spain. Well... It's as likely to be held there as anywhere else, let's be honest. So, yeah, so, so after the eight Grand Prix, because then after uh, Spain... So seven, to, seven is... Uh, Belgium, just yes. Right That's side. on August right. 30th. Just wrong side of their ban. They've had a three-week, a three, four or five-day um, let-off, haven't they? Because they were supposed to ban those sort of things to the 31st. Uh, which actually I think is the date it should have been, isn't it? And then uh, yes. actually, and then we have Monza on the date it should have been, still theoretically the behind sixth. closed doors. And... Also, they are they are Monza are very much pushing for a back to back. When's the first one that's going to get the, the doors opened, or are none of these the, the first eight? None of them have no, got none of those. No. Right. Okay. Nobody there won't knows be. There, there'll be nothing open in the UK. Sorry, in in Europe, um, and they are they are very much absolutely going to run a three race um, run round in um, the Middle East at the end. So it there's, may... there's three in America, isn't isn't there as well? Ooh, well, if you include Mexico as America. No, no, America, Mexico and Brazil in the Americas. Americas, but, but given the fact that that's the worst place in the world at the moment for the virus, um, yeah, and also there's, so there's, there's, there's all the travel issues involved in those countries. So at the moment, the thing that are definitely happening will be these eight races now ending on September the was it 6th, and then three races minimum in the Middle East at the back end of the season. How many do you actually think? We've been talking about, what do you think it is for the TV? Do you think it's 15? It's 16, I think. Right. How many do you think will get off? Do you know, I genuinely don't know, because the reason they've stopped at that point is because the back end of September, if we assume things go okay, not brilliantly, but not badly, then it then becomes which countries want to hold behind the doors Grand Prix yeah. and which logistically fit in with a, with a route. Because they, they've said that the, none of these tracks are paying 
uh, hosting fee and they're all getting approximately one million dollars per race as a thank you for doing it and an overheads thing mm-hmm. so which is that, not we... i mean you know you know silverstone's gonna have to give up oh yeah, we've no, got no. track days back in the uk now so silverstone's gonna have to give no, up no, over two two weeks of potential earning yeah, no, this is it's not. This is this is you know. I, 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 it's interesting that um, Italy's got themselves an extra year on their contracts straight off, so they must have negotiated that as the quid pro quo. Mm. Um, so yeah, and it's really where they want to go, given the fact that it's they're, they're not making any money from the track hosting, so they want to go basically to places that are easy to get into, easy to get out of, and have relatively low overhead. So Singapore's got massive overheads and can't really hold it open, open air. No. Um, Baku again. Um, Sochi, oddly, actually is a very good choice, despite the fact it's a rubbish track, because they can effectively, unsurprisingly for Russia, uh, lock that whole area down. Because, of course, it was originally a very easy to secure, securely fence off Olympic village. Yeah, good point. They, they can do it again. So Sochi is almost certain to happen. It's just when, because that fits well. Um, and then you go, well, the, yeah, the Brazil... You know, Brazil won't have it if they have said they won't have it if they can't have a crowd. And Brazil at the moment has the most virulent or most prescient uh, outbreak of COVID at the moment because they've just got a bit later than everyone else. It's not any worse or, or better than anybody. But so again, with Mexico, it's a high density area. You know, the Circuit of America is in fairness. You know, they 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 are in the middle, they can be in the middle of nowhere. Second America is great because yeah, you fly into Austin Airport and you and you can you can very about the back door. Yeah, you can isolate if if they're prepared to have it, you know, behind closed doors. That question, question from Johannes Quagliga. Hearing what is happening with the Asian Le Mans series racing in uh, on weekdays, would such a compressed calendar be possible for Formula One in Europe? Uh, with potentially tighter noise regulations, etc. Now, the, the point about this is, is this is being this is being put on for TV. Mm-hmm. So TV wants its it wants its Formula One motor racing on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah. It does not want its its. And let's well, be, besides we, which, they won't be able to fit it. They won't be able to fit it in around all the football that's being squeezed exactly. in. If you, we are we are going to be. It is the, we're going to have the ultimate feast and famine, not if you actually going to want to sit down and watch it live, but you want to sit down and watch it on television. There is going to be wall-to-wall sport. Every single sport is going to be condensing seven months' action into three and a half. Yeah. And a lot of things you just won't be able to see or will lose their slots or will be on a streaming platform only. So Formula One, with its, which is one of the, key, the keystone things, that we know where it's going to be. It's 10 past two or 10 past three, depending on the time zone um, in Europe. And they try and keep it close to that elsewise. So there's no chance of moving to Tuesdays because it, or Thursdays because it just clashes with everything else. Tim? And on the subject of live sport, it finished 3-0. Excellent. Excellent. Oh. Midweek Motorsport, uh, it's the 3rd of June here in the UK, uh, and it's coming up to quarter to nine. It's Series 15, Episode 22. Where to next, Tim? Uh, we're going to go to the same eight places that we've just talked about, uh, because Formula 2, Formula 3, and the Porsche Mobileline Super Cup yeah, are all going to all of them as well. That's so how's, how's this working with biodiversity sphere biodiversity is not affected what is it what do they call a bio isolation the idea is you 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 know you count them all in you count them all back to do the old uh, Falklands War um, quote you know everyone comes in gets swabbed gets tested 
Um, and if you're negative, you're allowed to continue continue in. I, I just think it's very surprising they want to add another what, what, Formula Two, Three, and Sport. Is it 500 people? Do you think to service those three series? Oh, easily. Oh, um, yes. You'll, you'll, is, you'll more than double the amount of no, people. Don't forget, we, don't forget, we're taking out all the media people. Um, this is just the essentials. Um, but even so, I, I am surprised they are doing that. Um, because lack of desperation. I don't no, know. It's all about getting a championship a cash, isn't it? Uh, to actually run, you've got. Let's work it out. You've got twenty-four cars in each, so that's twenty-four drivers. You so probably you need a minimum of three mechanics and engineers per car. There's about I think on Formula Two, Plus there's about another. six or seven personnel per car. So with the driver, you get eight. So you'd say. Eight by twenty. Yeah, you're probably right. I'm probably under. It's probably six hundred. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's. But it's, there it's, will be a lot of crossover because obviously a lot of teams run in both Formula yeah. Two and Formula Three. But of course, if they if they run all eight at all, and they said they are going to run at all eight events, then they've effectively virtually got the whole season off because it's only ten rounds to begin with, isn't it? True. Uh, Formula Three, I think, has twelve normally. Oh, but, they go somewhere else today. Um, they have a sta- don't they not have a standalone round in Poor or Macau or somewhere? Well, they obviously have Macau, but that's non-championship. Um, that's not happening either, is it? And also not happening. But they usually go somewhere else on their own just once. Um, <laughs> often Valencia. Obviously. Uh, so we've got... Um, all of these, but as you say, their calendars are a lot shorter, and I suspect that Porsche will just go to Mexico and one of the Middle East ones, and Formula 2 and Formula 3 will just go to two of the Middle East ones, and that'll complete their seasons. Yeah. Well, that's good then. But, but of course, the opportunities for the Formula 2 drivers have already virtually all dried up. Yes. Even Nikita Marzipan now, that uh, Renault have said they're not selling to his dad. Yeah, he's still by Williams. Mm. True. Uh, let's move on. Okay. Um, unless you've got anything else to add on Formula 2, well, Formula 3, or Actually, I mentioned car. something there that's reminded me something. So very quickly, um, Stanley Hall, the man who made Macau what it is, the Hong Kong Macau billionaire businessman and philanthropist, uh, died recently uh, and uh, he uh, of Dutch Jewish ancestry was the founder and chairman of SGM Holdings which owned 90 or still does own 19 casinos in Macau um, part of the, the reason the Macau Grand Prix is there he teamed up of course with Teddy Yip in motor racing back down through the years as well uh, and died uh, on the 26th of May at the ripe old age of 98. So well done to him uh, in getting a decent uh, innings. Uh, what a what a what a life from the end of 1921 through to mm. to last week. Yeah, but a key figure in both Theodore and Macau Grand Prix. Correct, exactly um, so. And, exactly uh, so. If you go to the uh, Motorsport Museum in Macau. Um, there's quite a lot of information about him and Teddy Yip mm. uh, available there. Uh, Sorry, I mentioned it and I thought it would be wrong. I was going to put it later on the show, but we've done it. Anyway, carry on. Tomorrow night at 8, it's to a radio show. Hooray! Um, where they will be reviewing uh, the latest update of iRacing. 
which is why Matt Hunt has been driving the BMW M4, which is just out. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and they'll be previewing the Le Mans 24 Hours, which is their version of the Le Mans 24 Hours, which runs on Forza. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the 10th time they've done it. There are 100 teams and more than 400 drivers, yep. which means that uh, for the fourth time, the number of drivers competing in a Forza race uh, has been set as a new record. The previous record wow. uh, was set uh, at Daytona this year at 320. So they're adding another 80 drivers onto that. Uh, and is that the British crew there tomorrow, is it, at 8 o'clock? Yes, it is. Uh, yes, yeah, it will be, it yes, because we had uh, Lewis last week. Uh, and there was virtual racing last weekend, which uh, we covered live. Round five of the Digital Nordschleife Langstrecker Zeri, powered by VCO. And uh, quite an unusual ending to the race. The Audi from uh, Williams Esports led across the line to start the last lap with a healthy lead. But as soon as it crossed the line it was disqualified for not making two driver changes uh, during the race which the rules demand so even though it completed the last lap leading on the road it was the next car home that took the win uh, we'll hear from uh, that driver uh, in the victory lane uh, sorry vco victory uh, lane uh, in a moment, uh, Philip Ellis will be joining us shortly. But first, let's hear the conclusion to that race. Checkered flag is out as time has elapsed. So it is going to be the maiden victory for Jack Sedgwick, who did the middle stint and bringing it home after starting and qualifying. Philip Ellis wins for Man Filter Team HTP Winwood and AMG take the victory in round five. The Marler three hours here at the Nürburgring Langstrecken Series, powered by VCO. Jack Sedgwick, congratulations. Uh, the best ever finish for the HTP Winwood team, the Manfilter HTP Winwood team, and it's a victory for you and your teammate. Well done. Yeah, thanks. It's, I can't really put it into words. My heart's pounding. Uh, did, were you aware of what was going on at the front of the field when when Phil was doing his his last stint? We we sort of picked up on it, but we weren't sure whether we had the right numbers on the timing. Um, and were you able to tell Phil that, or did you just leave him to his own devices? Uh, yeah, we had an idea. We weren't too sure on the driving time, but with the driver swap, we were pretty sure. I think they bust out um, on both, to be honest. I think they probably went over two hours. I haven't actually looked down to the minute yet, but certainly there was only one driver change. So, And did you tell yeah. Phil then? Uh, yeah, we kept him up to date. Um, obviously kept him pushing, just in case. Uh, but come the last lap, when it was pretty certain that they would be disqualified, we just cruised to the end then, really. Lap stints here, a little bit shorter than we've seen before. I, I don't think we got a fuel change for this race, but right, it was okay. mainly down to the tyre life. Yeah, you guys were doing um, sixes and sevens, and we have seen eights before from the GT3s. Yeah, and we only did sixes today, because for us, that seventh lap is pretty slow. Right. Well, it paid off, um, So, yeah. Absolutely. It worked out. Wish you all the best, Jack. That was a cracking stint from both of you. You worked really well together. Yep, cheers, and thanks for everything you've done for this series. It's been amazing. So that all happened on Saturday. We didn't manage to speak to Philip Ellis after the race, but he's on the telephone now from Germany. Ah, What a finish. 
uh, to the race. Your teammate was was fairly speechless after it. How long did it take to to digest that you'd you'd won the race? Um, it, it, I have to say, it was a bit of an awkward finish uh, because two cars in front of us got penalties, um, so we didn't actually win with our own power or with our own pace, so to speak. So it was a bit of an awkward win. Um, but in the end, if you don't do mistakes, you know you'll, you'll get rewarded with it. And uh, so yeah, we we're, were extremely happy with the win. Uh, good points for the championship, of course. And uh, by far the best race we had so far. Um, we used to have small mistakes, small contacts with smaller class cars. Uh, now we didn't have any problem the entire three hours. And uh, yeah, the result basically rewarded us with it. Bruce and I checked through the results, and we were. We were astonished to find that that was the first time an EMG GT3 had been on the podium this season at previous best results, fourth and fifth, yeah. and, you, and you bounce straight to the top. All right, we know the, the Williams Esports guys in particular made a, a, a big mistake, but the hot weather, you had to go short of stints. I mean, you had to think on your feet there at the weekend. Um, I think I mean, you're right. It was the best result by far for, for an AMG, so that's definitely very good for us. So basically, all the Mercedes team to see uh, that it does work. Uh, I think it gave us all some more motivation for the for the races to come. And um, yeah, as you said, we, we benefited from the from the penalties from the crash in front of us, uh, front of us with Philip Eng and uh, the Williams car, of course. Um, but I don't think it really matters too much. I mean, we had the perfect race. The other guys did mistakes. So uh, we took the the race room with us. And uh, I mean, now it's going to be interesting to see where we will be. Uh, we've just recently had an update on our racing, uh, which changed the pace of all the cars, changed the setup of all the cars. Um, so I think it'll be a big, big mix. Uh, maybe even internally between the Mercedes teams themselves, um, who's going to be the top runner. <laughs> For the next race, so that will be extremely interesting to see. And how does that work? People will be, uh, I'm sure, fascinated to hear you talking in terms of how the manufacturers work with their teams in the virtual world, exactly as they do in the real world. How how, how does that process go on, Philip? So, in terms of MG, we've actually got uh, a small community, so to speak. Uh, all the teams that are doing or driving the AMG and the DNLS are together on one big server where we exchange data, uh, we exchange um, facts like setups uh, to basically push the entire brand forward. Um, so it's the identical thing on what they do in the real world to try to push all the customer teams to the front. And I think we've done a great job with that. Um, we were a bit spread out in the first two races in the DNLS, and by now I think we had six five or six cars into the top ten in qualifying. Yeah. So I think that for itself speaks words. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a great effort by AMG to keep all the teams together uh, to some extent. That is one big team effort. And I think without that, without the practice with all the teams, without the data exchange and the preparation we do with all of the cars together, I don't think we would have had the win. Again, people will be, you know, literally shaking their heads at how much is going into a virtual race series. Is it fair to say, because of the access to the platform on iRacing, that you probably do more practice in the virtual world than you would 
in the real world leading up to a race? Oh, for sure. I mean, uh, to one point, we don't have limited testing online. So if you've got time on your hands, you could spend six, seven, eight hours a day on simulated practicing uh, for an upcoming race. While in the real world, we have limitations to keep the cost down, of course. Uh, so we only get a handful of test days. And the the practice time we get on weekends is very limited, of course, as well, as you know. So we might only get one hour, maybe two hours in the car before we actually start a race in the real world. Um, and sim racing, that could be anything between 20 and 40 hours before we get into the car for the wow. race. Wow. So that, that's a big, big difference. And um, I think especially for the DNLS, we spent a lot of hours uh, just in terms of setup. Uh, for the car to get the most out of it, uh, just because it's so tightly knit at the front in the top 10. Um, we're cars separated by a few tenths on an eight-minute lap in qualifying. <laughs> and that qualifying itself, that qualifying yeah. itself, Philip, is a tremendous challenge because you're out of the pits, you do the short lap, you come across the line, and, and if you're lucky, you might get a second lap. But if you make any mistakes, you might not get a second lap because of how exactly. short the time is. Yeah, exactly. So you, you have a maximum of two laps, which it makes it feel like the top 30 shootout at the 24-hour never <laughs> been qualifying. Exactly. Like and, and me personally, I'm more nervous on the simulator in that qualifying, in that particular qualifying, than I was in the top 30 shootout. So, uh, Brilliant. So beating, my heart's racing. Uh, the same at the start, you know, it, it's such a tight field, and you know all of the guys want to win, and they are capable of winning, uh, especially in the top 10. Um, so it's like it's like war out there on the first lap, you know. And the same qualifying, if you if you have one mistake in one corner and you lose three tenths, you might drop a position. Yes, which is an eight minute lap. It's it, I I think it's bonkers. It really is bonkers. And I say bonkers in a good way. You know how I yeah. I, I mean yeah. that. Um, listen, congratulations for you and Jack at the weekend and for the HTP, the Manfilters HTP Winwood team. Just a, a quick thought about going back to what we're now calling full metal racing because uh, I, I won't hear anybody say that what you do in the virtual world isn't real racing the the cars might be virtual but the competition the skill the talent and the application is very real indeed what are you hearing about uh, going back to full metal racing uh well if everything goes well we're going to be back racing next week actually uh for the first international race or, or the first race in Europe again since the lockdown so uh, that's a big big positive in my eyes and uh, I think if everything goes well we'll be back to, to proper racing uh, probably every weekend the way it looks like right now within two or three weeks um, so we'll have the IMSA coming back we'll have the GT Masters, the GT World Challenge and so on, they all are starting to run now, we already had our first test uh, which are, of course, still very limited. Mm. Um, but I think we're on a great way to still have an actual great, as say, real metal, full metal racing team. And you've got to learn a new way to get in and out of the pits at the Nürburgring for the Nordschleife races that looks like you might need yep. to have a, a map in the car with you. That's very complicated. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I think all the organisers are making a tremendous effort in bringing us back onto the real tracks. And, uh, you know, I, just a big thanks and hearts off to them, to those guys making it possible uh, to bring us back and actually organize a full season in these specific championships. And uh, I, I think everybody, they, they can't wait to get back on the real track. It's not just as drivers, but also to spectators. And 
on the other hand, I do hope that once we get back to the real racing, uh, that the sim racing still continues in in the kind of way we have it right now. No, I agree. And I think the, the DNLS in particular, powered by VCO yeah. Motorsports, has got a lovely mix of the, 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 the really hardline sim racers who've been doing this for a long time uh, and guys like yourself who are in the crossover sort of areas and people like Bruno Spengler, of course, who's worked really hard to get up into, uh, into the, the, the sharp end of sim racing as well. It's been tremendous entertainment. Yeah. I take my hat off to all of you. We've thoroughly enjoyed it and I can't wait for the next one. Philip Ellis, thank Thanks for joining us. Congratulations at the weekend. Thank you very much, son. See you soon. Still to come on Midweek Motorsport. And is there any chance you could bring some dessert to the VO booth, please? None at all. None at I haven't had dessert yet. I did uh, carne con chile uh, this evening. Uh, and uh, I haven't had dessert yet because we were right up to the wire to get on the air. One hour ago, so we head into the second hour of tonight's programme. We'll kick off our two uh, with Richard Webb from Travel Destinations. We normally talk about this time of the year on our previews. Um, we thought it would be the right thing to have him back. More from you on Specutainment. There's bikes and there's real IndyCar coming up as well. All in our two on Midweek Motorsport Series 15. Episode number 22. Already can you believe it? Stay tuned. There's no need to go anywhere else. It's Travel News next. Midweek Motorsport on RS1. Just after nine o'clock on a Wednesday, here's our big interview this week. And as promised, we're welcoming back to Midweek Motorsport our friend in the travel trade from our uh, official travel partners, travel destinations, Richard Webb is with us. Good evening, Richard. How are you? Good evening, John. Not too bad. Thank you very much. Thank you for having us back on. How's, how's things, first of all, before we get on to business, so while since we've spoken, how's things with you and the whole TD team and, and what's the working, uh, what's the, uh, the working practices at the moment? Okay, well, we're we're all good, thank you. You know, we're all fit and well, which I guess is important, um, particularly around this sort of time. Um, at least I think we are. You know, I've I've been working remotely for ten weeks, so I only see the rest of the team um, every day from kind of the shoulders upwards. So um, I think they're okay. They they seem to look it. So we're we're carrying on. We're getting on with everything, um, and um, you know, I'm pretty sure travel events and motorsport in general um are probably not growth industries at the moment and we're right in the middle of that storm but um i guess you could say that about lots of jobs right now so overall we're we're all doing we're all doing okay thank you very much well Um, that that's very good news that's very good news indeed now we've got you on tonight to talk about a few things some of which we sort of still crystal ball gazing to be honest so with the uh, added codicil that everything might change and there's an asterisk on quite a lot of this sort of thing. I, we should, this week, have been at Le Mans, of course, for the 24 hours. Now, that's been moved to September. So let's start there. What what can you tell us about September and uh, how uh, your customers who should have been there this week have reacted to the situation and what plans you're putting 
in place for the revised date? Absolutely. Well, I think first, what I re- this is going to sound a bit twee, you know, but uh, what I really want to do is thank all of the Travel Destinations customers. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your understanding. I appreciate it's been a difficult time for everybody over the last few months. Um, But all the team at Travel Destinations really do appreciate um, your support. Um, Thanks for sticking with us. Thanks for listening to us. you know, it's been um, it's been an interesting time. We've been speaking to lots of customers, hearing lots of different stories and everybody's in different um, positions and situations. Um, but it's been um, it's been really, really good from the point of view that customers have stuck with us. And as you know, John, you know, we're we're really in um, a cyclical kind of relationship. You know, our customers support and stick by us. We support and stick by you. And then ultimately you support and stick by our customers. And it goes around. And I'm I'm really, really pleased to be able to say that 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 relationship continues to be strong. And we're all kind of moving forward together, which is which is really, really nice. Don't need Uh, any. uh, I don't need any commercial in confidence uh, information, Richard, but I, I presume that the option for Travel Destinations customers was to uh, cancel the whole thing, was to uh, put things in abeyance until September or to delay things until next Le Mans in, in June. And roughly speaking, what sort of percentages have, have done which of those? You know, each event has been slightly different and there's been different responses for different things. You know, for example, Le Mans 24, um, there's two options as far as postponing your booking. So, you know, some people chose to postpone to September and uh, believe me, along with along with me, that we're desperate to go if we can um, Mm. in September. And so are they. And that's great. There are others that have said, you know what, September's a bit maybe a bit too soon it's difficult to make the travel arrangements it's difficult to commit i've got other things on and some of those people have um have transferred um across to um set, uh, do june next year and that's brilliant because we're, we're able to plan ahead and um know that we've already got people um, wanting to come with us next year those that can't those who haven't have been given options as well and ultimately anybody that needed a refund has had a refund um and for you. hopefully they will book with us again at another time as well so um what what what's the what's the customer base telling you richard in terms of september because clearly we've discussed this on the program before um there's no doubt that we'll still get a full grid because we'll always get a full grid for Le Mans, even with some of the international squads and certainly the American teams not being able to come over or not wanting to come over and fixture congestion in September is going to be an issue for the IMSA teams as well, as we've, we've already seen. What's, what's the general feeling among travel destination customers about Le Mans in November, a little bit colder, quite a lot more darkness hours and a, a different time of year. So a very different proposition. Yeah, I think the attractiveness of camping <laughs> at the circuit in November is probably, you know, it's on a sliding scale from June downwards, isn't it? So it's I think you know, there are we have customers and we're very lucky to have loyal customers who want to go to the race regardless. 
Yes. Um, they're going to be there come high water, whatever. They're, they're going to be there and enjoy the race for what it is. Um, and providing we can go to the race and we're allowed to go to the race, travel destinations will be there as well. Yeah. Um, so but we understand that not everybody can. So for the Le Mans 24 hours, the op- there were multiple options. And that has meant that maybe a third um, and I'm going to give you rough kind of yeah, off yeah. the top of my head numbers here. Roughly a third have, have switched to September. More than a third have switched to um, next to year. June next year. And and it's still flexible in that some people are, you know, we're, they're booked for September and they're, they're maybe decide they want to move to, to June. Um, others will wait and see. And if it can't happen in September, then they'll move to June anyway. So are you still taking bookings for September? So if somebody yeah. you know, rings you up tomorrow on the usual telephone number and says, hey, look, I, I, I accept the fact that it might not go ahead because we don't know what the French government are going to say about large gatherings but but if it does do you know what i think i want to go there yeah john you know we're we're not gonna we're not in the business of turning people away so it's um absolutely you know we will be where as i said we'll be there if we can be and we'll be there with our customers if they want to be okay so it's it's really a case of yes you know they customers also know that we will do our best to look after them so if they want to book for september um but know that actually if it doesn't happen they'll go in june um i'm all for that okay and if they don't want to go in september but they know they desperately want to go in june next year then even better you know we'll take we'll we'll look after them and they know that their money is protected and they'll get looked after by a real human being and i know that goes back to kind of old school travel destination stuff but we do like to talk to our customers and we do talk to our customers well somebody who had to deal with automated texts and emails trying to get flights back i can Hmm. tell you i would and annoyingly as soon as i spoke to a human being even in the more recalcitrant of of some of our airline bookings you know it was much easier to sort out so i'm not i'm gonna not play that down it's all all right Le Mans 24 then at least we have a date for that in September uh, we we know at the moment at least where that is and okay good so we've got some options there and people have taken those options it is Le Mans Classic this year now clearly that isn't going to happen in July yeah. what do we know about uh, that being rescheduled or have we lost Le Mans Classic for another two years w- w- what's happening no, so Le Mans Classic, I mean, this year would have been a massive year for travel destinations because we had record numbers booked for Le Mans 24 and Le Mans Classic. So well, um, we we took the undertaking to contact and speak to as many of those customers booked as we possibly can um, or possibly could um, and may give them the options moving forward. Now, as we've said with Le Mans 24, there were, there's two options for the event there or it, whatever they decide to do. With Le Mans Classic, it was um, decided that it couldn't take place this year. They did entertain the idea of trying to put it in, run it in October. Um, but I think they came to the ultimate conclusion that they to, to make the best of the event and to make it the best event that they can, yes. um, they have postponed until July next year. So it will be the 1st to the 4th of July next year, 2021. Um, and I think that's the right decision. I that, think. that does kind of throw things off because we normally expect 
Le Mans Classic on the odd years. Now, it's, so what happens? I, I, I may be asking questions that against mm-hmm. that crystal ball out again, but but what do you, having speak, spoken, I'm sure to Peter Ort or the people behind Le Mans Classic, Classic Le Mans, um, does that mean they'll do two back to back and it'll go back to the to the uh, the even years, Richard? Okay, so what they've what they've said is they their priority is to keep the quality of the grid and the quality of the cars that participate. Makes sense. So what they have said categorically so far is they will not do back to back events. Right. So they will not. They whilst they will do the race in twenty twenty one. They will not do a Le Mans Classic in 2022 just to get it back on track. But I think that actually works. And again, you're right about the crystal ball here. But um, 2023 is a massive year for Le Mans. That it's the centenary of um, the 24 hours. Good call. So to have a Le Mans Classic in 2023 to be part of the overall celebrations that the circuit will be having in 2023. It's not a downgrade, is it? It's not a downgrade at all. No, oh, totally not. I think ultimately it is, it may be a really good thing. Um, and what we know of other events such as, um, the Monaco historic, which traditionally has run in the same year, every other year with the Le Mans classic, we understand that they may do two races, um, back to back in as far as 21 and then 22 oh, right. then go back to the uh every other year so which again may work for lots of people because then they don't have to choose either or they can mix and match and do one in 2022 and one in 2023 but certainly i don't wish want to wish my life away but i think 2023 no. at mon Le Mans 24 and Le Mans Classic in the same year is is going to be epic. Yeah, it 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 always I always think that the the Monaco historic and the Le Mans historic uh, the, uh, classic um, really should be on opposite years. It would make it makes far more sense. And if it ends up like that, then yeah, perhaps it's not the the worst thing in the world. All right, those are the major events, but of course you're involved in so many other events that have gradually been either postponed or, or cancelled uh quick run through some of them so uh, spa spa yeah spa well, six kind, and spa you know what? classic it kind of all started started for me actually back with sebring yes um, so back in march you know i i woke up on the thursday before sebring week if you like and i was going to sebring and all was okay and i woke up and the radio said you know what european flights are not going to be happening to america um and at that point i think my heart sank and i knew that not only was sebring not going to happen certainly for me at that time it was still happening although it was eventually postponed um but yeah so sebring kind of went by the wayside very early doors um we had some car club tours and things that we were doing in april as well so those went by the wayside the moto 24 yeah um, lots of people don't associate us with the moto 24 but we had people the end going of august that isn't it normally yeah well no, it would have been in april that's when it oh, would yes, normally have been and was postponed you're right to, to august and um, the end very end of august it is at the moment um and then, of course, um, we had a weekend where we would have been doing both the Nürburgring 24 and the Spa Classic simultaneously. Yes. So um, 
it was a bit like dominoes at that point because we were we were just watching them get postponed 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 obviously Le Mans 24 and Le Mans Classic were the the two biggest of the events that we had but we had customers going to all of those yes. the first half of the year um so then it was a case of, OK, the events have been postponed. Nobody likes to say they're being cancelled. So even if they've been postponed to next year, um, it just uh, makes it sound a slightly more positive. Um, the the so Spa think, Six Hours has been pushed back to to the week after Le Mans. Is that still at that weekend, which is, the, the, the it, as you say, the clash? Do we know if that's happening or has that already been... Called so time when, when you say the Spa Six Hours, you're talking about Spa Week. No, the Spa Six Hours Festival. The Spa Six Hours Festival. So that's that's in September every yes, year. Yes, 20, 20, 25th to 28th this year. Yeah, so that's still in the calendar for September at this moment in time. Right. So the set that Spa Six Hours weekend, the festival, as you talk, as you mentioned, it's a, obviously a classic car racing festival. It gets confused with the Spa Classic, which is in May. Um, and also the Spa Week, which, of course, is the six hours of Spa. So that gets very confusing. But, um, yeah, at the moment, it's still in the calendar for September, pending Belgium government's um, rules and regulations and the circuit. But, and we should know about that because there's a WEC weekend and an ELMS weekend before we go to yeah. Le Mans. So that's August time, isn't it? Although so that that's currently behind closed doors is it not good so, point yes that's uh, a good point so God, it's, yeah. it's it, it's complicated john and that's where we're trying to we're trying to kind of keep up with everything and you know what it's a moving feast as far as we're getting the closer we get to the horizon the further it goes away <laughs> couple of other uh, events that you often talk about and again later in the year so beyond the end of of august the uh on Circuit to Rompart, uh, that's the middle, uh, currently scheduled for 17th to the 22nd of September. The Zandvoort Historic Grand Prix is the beginning. Yeah. But I'm told by our contacts in, in Holland that uh, nothing's going to be running in Holland, that that's been knocked on the head right through the year, even the, the, the noisy days that Zandvoort uh, have. Yeah, I think... There's still hope from the event organisers that something could be done, but I, they're they're hoping for a, a turnaround there. So, um, other than that one event, all the others that you've mentioned, there, you know, Angoulême, which is a fantastic event yes. down in the Cognac region of France, um, classic car racing around a really really tight street circuit, which is just amazing to see, um, and it's a great weekend of socialising and what have you good the good news is the cafes and things are all outside so um it hopefully won't be too much of an issue um so it basically if rule of thumb is once you get into september at the moment all events have either been rescheduled and are taking place in september and october um those that were pre that have been postponed until 2021 and then you get the anomalies like the Nürburgring 24 and the Le Mans 24, which are both in September and June next year. Yeah. So yeah. not only can you do a double header in September at the moment, you can do a double header next year, um, back to back next year in 2021 as well. So let's so, go through some some revised dates for those people who uh, uh, heads are spinning at the moment. Le Mans. 24 hours, the, the 2020 Le Mans 24 hours, 19th and 20th of September is the Saturday and Sunday. I suspect that even if people do go down there, they'll may, 
make uh, slightly shorter trips of it rather than going down for the full week. Le Mans Classic, which should have been this July, will move to July 2021. The Spa Classic, that's back in 2021, 21st of May to the 24th uh, of, Sp- uh, of, of May. The 24 hours of Spa... Uh, is still the 22nd, or is back now uh, to October 22nd to 26th, so a couple of days before my birthday. Still don't know where that's going to be open or closed. Just Richard. That's a terrible hint, John. You, you <laughs> have to it. Just, 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 just saying. <laughs> uh, Nürburgring 24, 26th to the 27th of September. That's the week following the, re- the uh, revised date for Le Mans 24. Now, Looking further afield uh, and into some of those other events that Richard was talking about there, just a reminder that that Monaco event then goes uh, into the 23rd to the 26th of April 2021. Now, you may be wondering, how does Hindoff know all this? I'm on the traveldestinations.co.uk website where all of these new dates have already been plumbed in. And, And I guess... I guess I guess the thing to say at the end of this, Richard, is that if anybody isn't sure or still wants to ask questions, pick up the phone and dial you guys. You, you, you're still working. You might not always be at the, the office, but you, you're still available and you can still give the benefit uh, of your experience and what knowledge is filtering through from the, yeah. the various organisers. Yeah, John, you know, it's... It's been interesting times and we've been working remotely for the last 10 weeks. But I'm pleased to say now, um, as of this week, we now have a skeleton force um, of two or three people in the office at any one time. So we are open. People can phone um, people. We need to ask for people's patience just in case they don't get through first time, because obviously there's less of us in there. And we're working on a rotor system, really. So, um, you know, I'm I'm not in there this week, but I will be next week and so forth. So um, we we're trying to um, make the most of the situation as we can. We're you know, we're looking forward now. Um, You know, we're looking forward to September. We're looking forward to October and we're looking forward to 2021. Um, And, you know, we all need something to look forward to, don't we, John? Absolutely agree. www.traveldestinations.co.uk And if you want to speak to one of the TD team, it's uh, in the UK, 01707. Three two double nine double eight. That's all. One seven or seven three two double nine double eight. I'm so pleased to hear your voice, Richard. Normally, you and I would have been doing our uh, little inserts for the preview for the morning at this time, I've and I've missed, missed that terribly. Yeah. Yeah. I've yeah. really missed that, John. I have to say, and I'm, I'm sure the, the listeners haven't. But it's uh, <laughs> oh, it's, you'd it's be been, surprised. You know, it's been it's always good to talk. I always say that. So you know, we've try and talk to as many customers as we can, and we look forward to seeing our customers at a circuit soon. Say hi to the rest of the team for us. Stay safe, stay well. You too. Thanks, John. Thanks, Richard. Bye-bye. Richard Webb from Travel Destinations uh, talking to us there. Can I just do a couple of, a very quick couple of tweets off the back of that? Go on, then. Uh, David Monk says, when Travel Destinations kindly called us to discuss Le Mans Classic Move to 21, one thing led to another. I'm pretty sure I'll be booking Angoulême shortly. Richard... I'll be in touch. Sam Pierce, when all of this kicked off, uh, 
travel destinations proved again why they are the best in the business and why they always get our business within days of the news from Europe uh, we had a call to explain all of our N24 options from Andrew we're still hoping to be there this year uh, yeah as I said to Richard the personal touch isn't it um, took me 50 odd days to get to speak to somebody uh, from some of the airline companies we were dealing with um, really hope that it uh, goes well for the lads and lasses at, at TD and thank you for the kind words from everybody, Richard Webb, giving us the travel news there. A bit longer than the normal uh, one minute and 35 second Johnny Palmer style travel news bulletin. Tim, what do you have? Uh, well, lots of speculation there about uh, events that might happen and might have spectators and might yes. change dates. There is one event uh, that is not going to change dates. We know it's definitely going to happen. We know it's definitely going to happen next weekend. And we know it's definitely going to happen at the Autodromo of the Algarve at Portimao in Portugal. It is the return of Creventic Racing. Full Metal Racing is back and, in Europe. Uh, it is the first international race to take place in Europe yep. after lockdown is lifted. Uh, 18 cars on the entry list so, so far. far. Um, but the entry uh, deadline is not passed yet, so there could be no, a no. couple more. Uh, and we have some news. Uh the good news is that hotels in uh, in Portugal and in that part of Portugal, the Algarve course, actually opened two days ago, uh, as did restaurants. They've had it all cleared by the circuit. Remember, we were talking to uh, Ola Dolman a couple of weeks ago that, uh, to say that they were working really hard. The circuit wanted to happen. There's a certification system for the Autodromo de Algarve uh, so that the team personnel, vehicles can across the EU borders. Nobody's going to be sharing well, only the borders from Spain. That's uh, the issue. Uh, yes. Um, if you're, if you're travelling into Portugal by air from any of the Schengen countries or from the UK or Ireland or any country in the world where they speak Portuguese, so <laughs> Mozambique or Angola uh, or Cabo Verde or uh, Sao Tome and Principe, uh, you are allowed to go into Excellent. Portugal without any quarantine. Uh, it is uh, effectively a three-day meeting. Starts Friday the 12th of June, so not this weekend, next weekend, as Tim said. Uh, we will have some live coverage. Not entirely certain exactly what we'll get, but we will be having some sound and vision for you. And we'll definitely and, have the start and, and the end and, and something in the middle. And before anybody says, the likelihood is we'll be doing it remotely because we can't go out there and then come back without quarantining. Much to the disappointment of Nick Damon, who just wants to go out there and stay there. You just want to stay for two weeks, don't you, Nick? It wouldn't be the end of the world, would it? Let's be honest. <laughs> oh, listen to that little plaintive cry from I've, David there. This is the longest I've been. And this is I'm not. I don't feel sorry. But this is the longest I've been in this country since 1998. It must be the same for you, John. Uh, you probably too. Th- well, no, pro- yeah, no, probably, probably since when did I start doing the American Le Mans series? Uh, that was back in 1997. Seven. So it's easily since then. It's it's not. Well, it's the not... American Le Mans series did have a big gap between the end of the season and the start of the new True. season because it 
obviously in the early days it ended at Laguna Seca there was a race after Petit Le Mans wasn't there yeah um, and then so you didn't go back until March late October and you didn't but I was have doing other things as well don't forget yeah. yes exactly I mean I've obviously I've, most, most of my, do- my real jobs have been international as well but, so yes and, not, and, not, and in those days in the late 90s I actually had holidays it was it's only, oh, we, only yeah, when we got into the new century weeks. that I didn't have holidays uh, free practice uh, on Friday afternoon, followed by qualifying for TCE and then GT from a quarter past five local time, which is the same as British summertime, by the way. So Portugal, are uh, the Greenwich um, uh, timeline runs directly down through Portugal. So they're on the same uh, time as us. Uh, so seven, uh, quarter past five till six, quarter past six till seven, the two qualifying sessions. Uh, and then there's a bit of night practice as well on Saturday. And then the race uh, is gridded Friday, up. Uh, sorry, Friday. Yes, excuse me. Um, then the race is gridded up at 11 o'clock without Nick Damon sashaying down the grid. Well, I'm, just, I'm just thinking, can, we, can, I do, can I do my FaceTime or something? Yeah, it's I quiet. think it's a great <laughs> idea. If they hold it two metres away, it's fine. No, I think it's a great idea. The race starts at midday British time. Uh, obviously runs 24 hours all the way through till midday on Sunday. We'll have our broadcast times confirmed with Nullsweizwey Eins and uh, Natasha. I'm sure. We'll, sorry, Natasha will let us. <laughs> Natasha, I must get that right. Well, that's the worst in joke for a radio show ever. Yeah, there's three people who'll understand that. Uh, Philip cool. Ellis. Indy Donshi, Russell Ward, Bryce Ward uh, already signed up for it for uh, HTP. Phil, who we uh, had recently, Herbert Motorsport earlier on the show, rather. Herbert Motorsport with a couple of cars. Veloso Motorsport with a cup car for uh, an old Portuguese team. Uh, Mulner Motorsport, Speed Lover, Pro Sport, uh, and Savora Racing Team already uh, signed up, as well as. Uh, Park Legard, this is again another Portuguese team. Team Virage uh, with the Aston Martin GT4. If only I could get down there, I bet I could have got a drive in that. Uh, Autorama by Wolf Power in, in TCR. Red Camel, of course, SPV. Autorama with a couple of cars, actually. Uh, a Belgian team, Come To You team, Audi, uh, Audi Sport. Code Racing, AC Motorsport, and the Janetta from Colin White and... T uh, and uh, Janetta from uh, CWS. It's a fabulous 15 corner circuit, just over uh, three miles around, four and a half kilometres. And it is brilliant. If you haven't seen it before, it it is superb for any type of racing, two or four wheels. And we will uh, have some live sound and vision uh, coverage, as I say, how much and when. We'll let you know. But Tim says, right, we'll have some at the start, some in the middle, and certainly some at the end. On what is turning out to be a very busy weekend, because we've got DNLS that weekend as well, don't yes, we, Tim? we have indeed. Oh, uh, next weekend? Uh, the same weekend. The same weekend as that. Which is the same weekend as the virtual Le Mans as well. Well, yeah, one of the virtual Le Mans. One of the virtual but There are at least three virtual Le Mans. No, that, that virtual, the virtual Le Mans we've already mentioned is 400 people. That virtual Le Mans is... Uh, 200 people and the virtual on the following week will probably be nearly 3,000 people and that's the one that we'll be covering uh, yes. in it's uh, in probably its entirety oh god with... really yeah so <laughs> thank god I can stop practicing <laughs> no no you're, st- you're still going to have to do it you're much better when you've been driving in it you can come oh, back and give yeah. the, the drivers eye view I actually did research this week for that broadcast believe it or not 
Which car it, uh, The iRacing of the Mon. All right, okay. Yeah, because you, I've, 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 hey, we've got a minute because uh, we talk about the, 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 because they have the new season, which Matt will be speaking about next week mm. uh, tomorrow. Well, they allow they have a thing when they're when they're updating, they allow you to do what's called test drive, which means you can try any of their cars oh, on without a, having to buy them. The circuit. So I tried both the Audi and the Porsche 919. Mm-hmm. And I would report. I, well, I'll save that for the broadcast. But I've done several laps in both, and blind me, they're quick. And and are they as complicated in terms of oh God. Oh, of no, the absolutely. interface as as the real cars oh. were alleged to be by some of the older drivers? No, 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 unbelievable! I I had to go to automatic hybrid deployment because it was far too complicated to do manual hybrid deployment, and the button just on the this is on, on a simulation. The parameters for the hybrid there were nine parameters. Yeah. Yeah, of yeah. which I only understood one, which is automatic or manual. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, okay. So that's three weeks' time. Two weeks' time, Full Metal Racing returns to that's RSL. Ten days' time. Hmm? Ten days time. Well, yeah, okay, two weekends' time. Yeah, ten days' time, uh, Full Metal Racing returns with the Creventic Hankook 24 hours of the Algarve at Portimao. And, and, and if, by the way, you are a racer and you're going, uh, Really? Uh, 24hseries.com all the details are there and there is time to get in and as ever Creventnik are making it as easy as possible and as cost effective as possible in terms of getting track time out there I would dare say that it will it will probably cost you very little more than doing the same amount of time for a track day except you will have a race and there are because... driver boards on the Creventnik website oh Teams are there yeah, team looking for drivers and vice versa. So, okay. yeah, if you're looking for a drive, um, I'm sure a couple of the teams, certainly a 24-hour race, will have a couple of slots available. 20, I wonder if I can get two weeks off on the way back from that. 24-HC race. Don't you don't have to have two on. weeks off. You just can't leave the house. You can still continue to commentate at home as you have been. No, no, I couldn't possibly do that. I'd have to have two weeks off. <laughs> uh, let's move on to two wheels, and we'll start with, I'm afraid, some sad news uh, at the death yesterday of Carlo Ubiali. Now, you may not have heard of Carlo, but he was... 60 years since he last raced. Well, yes, it is. But in the 1950s, he was a dominant force in the smaller classes of Grand Prix racing. He won six 125cc and three 250cc World Championships. Also, by the way, uh, in 1949, the first year of Grand Prix motor racing... Um, when he finished fourth on an MV Augusta, he won a gold medal in the international six-day trial as well. And, he, I mean, I'm just talk about somebody who was versatile. Uh, he retired. He the Isle of Man as well. Sorry? He won the Isle of Man TT five times. Yes, uh, yes, he did. Uh, and he never suffered a serious crash during his 12-year Grand Prix career. He was known for not making mistakes. He retired, get this, at 30, right, 30, still in his prime, and until Giacomo Agostini came around, he was considered Italy's greatest ever motorcycle racer, nine world championship, which put him in a tie with Mike Halewood and Valentino Rossi, which I think is third place on the championship list, behind uh, Agostini and Angel Nieto. Of course, he was inducted into the FIM MotoGP Hall of Fame of 2019, and at the t- until yesterday, he was the final surviving rider from the first season 
of Grand Prix motorcycle racing back in 1949. Uh, we pass our condolences on to the family and friends of Carlo Ubiali, who died yesterday. But between 49 and 60, those 12 years of his career, he did 71 Grand Prix and he won 39 of I them. Know. I know. And we talk about domination nowadays. And a lot of that, particularly in the smaller classes, Nick, and you know how hard it is to stay on top there with the next... I, I'm just amazed about the statement about him having no accidents because Correct. those small motorcycles in those oh, days were two bit. strokes and were seizing the whole yes, time. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Basically, you drove with, with two fingers on the clutch all the time. And if there was any hint of a nip up the engine about to seize, any kind of oh, loss of power, you would just dip the clutch as quick as you could. Otherwise, it would, it would nip up, seize, and you'd probably be off. If you were lucky, it snapped the chain and you rolled forwards. If you were lucky. If you didn't, you were off in the air. Down a straight, right. perhaps. Uh, I'm just amazed. Yeah, you've, you written must... you've written taste strokes before, oh, haven't you? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I've been, Scared uh, the life out of myself on the air one once when one seized about I, 85. I, I learned to, to... I got a pass my test in a two-stroke. A two-stroke that had been tuned up. So it had no power, no power, no power, 25 horsepower. Literally like that. <laughs> you, try to, you try passing your test and doing the hill start with an engine like that. So you were revved to 7,500 to pull away and slip the clutch. Yeah, but then by the way, I, I meant when I said 85, I meant 70 exactly. Obviously, exactly, as I yeah. was riding back because up the air one on a 252 stroke. The, you were trying to either not roll back or have a wheelie. Those are your two choices. <laughs> we were much, we were much younger, fitter, and lighter in those days. Yeah, that's very true. I wasn't stressing the motorcycle anything like as much as I would be now. Lighter was key for him because that was the reason he never got to race 500s because he was thought to be too small. They thought he was too yeah. small. Yeah. That was a well, shame, a really. Caparossi had to worry about that, wouldn't they? No, exactly. Exactly right. Um, condolences, as we say, to Carlo Ubiali's family uh, and friends. An absolute legend of, of motorcycle Grand Prix racing who died uh, yesterday in Bergamo, uh, his birthplace. 90 years old. On to more contemporary motorbike racing. MotoGP has cancelled two more races this week. Uh, but it says that next week it will announce its new calendar. Valencia? 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 Can I stop you there, Nick? Oh, have I said too few Valencias? Well, you've started in the wrong place because they're Jerez? expecting to start Valencia? at Jerez. <laughs> and then the second round will be at... Jerez. Jerez is correct, John. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Oh, they're going... Hang on, I've worked it. Is it Jerez, Jerez... Valencia, Valencia, no. Aragon, Aragon, no. Valencia at the end of the season. Harama, oh. Harama, and then Valencia for the end of the season, as it always is. It's Jerez, uh, Jerez. I think Aragon, that's hooray, hooray, isn't it, to get it restarted again? Are you pronouncing that wrong? Is it, is it not the Spanish version of a well-known Blondie song? Jerez, Jerez. Jerez, Jerez, Aragon, Aragon, Barcelona, Barcelona. Mm-hmm. Well, seriously, I, I was taking the mickey. Is that seriously it? Bruno... What? Which has been annexed by Spain while nobody was watching. Wow, the during the lockdown. They upset about the checks, weren't they? Uh, what's happened to our second city? Apparently, it's part of Spain now. Mizano. Uh, fair enough. Just annexed by Spain. The Italians. Yes, exactly. Mizano's a great circuit. I, I love uh, They might do that twice. Um, so good, they did it twice. Red Bull Ring, Red Bull Ring. Right. Valencia, Valencia. Right. So they're not going out of Europe. No. I, I don't think. 
Nick, I don't think any round championship at seven circuits in Europe. I don't think any any FIA stroke FIM championship for now will will really be thinking about moving outside of Europe unless it's into um, what is you know the the Arabian region, um, yes. something like that, and that would be later on in in the year. Uh, and, and and why wouldn't I mean even if it's behind closed doors why wouldn't you go to those Spanish circuits because they're all great they're all were built with motorcycles in mind they all race really really well now there is a possibility that the calendar will increase to 16 races um, by taking any of the currently postponed Thailand Malaysia USA or Argentina rounds mm. okay interesting but that decision will be made much later okay no, I mean, fine. I mean, yeah, they're, they're, again, they're getting it on for the TV money. Good on them. Uh, now, we were expecting to have the um, British Superbike revised calendar out this week, uh, but I believe they're waiting until after MotoGP is announced, even though we know that there's not going to be a British MotoGP this year. Mm. Uh, so more on that as soon as we get it. Did we get uh, World Superbikes this week? There was some actual bike racing at the weekend. Yes, there were. The AMA Superbikes. And Super Sport. Well, it was the mostly su- Super Stock, wasn't it? Let's well, face su- it, there, there were very few Super Bikes in this Super Bike race. Well, the Super Sports were ma- mostly Super Sports, and it wasn't bad racing. The Super Bikes um, were mostly Super Stock, and there's a sort of parity formula in that. It was at Road America... And our good friend and colleague, Jamie Howe, was drafted into that at very late notice. And she did a fabulous job for the national US coverage, uh, which I think was on... F- was that on Fox? Shea Adam is with us. Was that on Fox at the weekend, Shea, was it? Hello, John. FS1. Uh, it was on FS1. Yeah, I thought so. Um, and I thought Jamie did a, a great job, uh, as ever. You would have expected that. We got it in the UK as well. Sadly team i've got to say as well as not being super bikes it wasn't racing there, there wasn't much racing i was really surprised i was really looking forward to uh, big drafting battles on the long straights of road america and well you'll remember watching this on motors tv a decade ago i d- I, d- I did the fill-in bits i you know i did the bits when the americans were laying out for Four minutes every eight minutes, it would seem. To, to and I and I filled the gaps for a, I think a season and a half at least. And I certainly remember doing what was then Mazda Race with Laguna Seca, now WeatherTech of course, and Road America. I, I remember those two because ironically, every time the Americans went for a break, all hell broke loose, and I stopped doing the well. The interesting thing about this racing circuit and doing you know sort of travel loggy stuff to to have it to go. Oh, he's gone down the inside. And he's taken out the second place man. Oh, he's gone. You know, it, it was just it was mega. It was absolutely great. Um, I I don't think it missed having a crowd there, and they did everything on I don't the. Don't think the crowd missed it. Well, no, I, I, I don't think it missed having a crowd there, and I don't think the TV uh, production missed having the crowd there. The two commentators were socially distanced within their commentary box, which I believe they were at the track in one of the bigger booths along from where we normally are with a big backdrop between them. Um, they had two uh, pit reporters, Jamie being one of them, or two reporters, should I say, Jamie being one of them, 
and they stood six feet away. Obviously, in motorcycle racing, you don't have to do pit reports because there's nothing happening during the race. Um, you speak to a few people beforehand, and you speak to the three podium finishes afterwards. And what they had was a sound guy out of shot with a long, or, or person, should I say, out of shot with a, a six-foot-long um, boom. boom with a microphone on it, which they then sort of stuck in front of the requisite rider, um, either for the, the stuff prior to the racing or the, the stuff afterwards. Um, Ron America's got a lovely victory lane. There's plenty of room to space the bikes out, and then they did get on a podium and stayed probably six feet apart. Um, I, it's uh, They're back there in a month's time to do another round, um, and you'll have the results there. I think both races, both the Super Sports and the Super Bikes were won um by a, a single individual um certainly the super the super bike race was absolutely absolutely dominated by uh one rider who, who rode away from from everybody else uh, is cameron bow buyer correct exactly so and was it the, I can same, result sheet. Was, it the was it the was it the same person who won both the super sport yeah, races as well i haven't i, I pulled the two um, yeah, super yeah. bike results up and i was interested why there was such big differences in lap times you've now told me i had two classes running yeah yeah. Doesn't, I mean, looking, reading, reading the sheet doesn't look exciting. It doesn't always tell the story, but it does seem you say very spaced out. There was a decent battle for second, uh, second, third, and fourth uh, in for most of the first race, and then a bit of the second because one of the guys fell off, and it was the same three people. But they were behind Cameron for a very long time. But it was nice to see live sport at the weekend. So you know. And uh, obviously America's got uh, quite a lot of live motorsport, and that's one of the reasons why we've got Shea Adam here. Uh, I see that uh, the stadium super trucks have uh, pitched up in Salt Lake City in Utah, and uh, obviously that's where Shea is. Good evening, Shea. Hello, Tim. Also, the Monster Energy Supercross had a race there this last weekend, uh, which had quite a few people who used to work in the American Le Mans series with uh, you and me, John, mm. working there. I saw a lot of pictures on Facebook of people who I didn't think would be traveling uh, wearing masks and stuff, working inside trucks inside of wherever they were in Salt Lake. So, yeah, there, there is quite a lot going on on top of the uh, typical NASCAR stuff that we've had. And this weekend, we also get a treat because IndyCar is back. Indeed it is. Now, back in March, we did an IndyCar preview. Uh, yes. <laughs> how much of that is still relevant, Shay? Ah, uh, well... Quite a bit. Um, there are some interesting entry list changes that I noticed from where we were anticipating the first race coming in at St. Petersburg in Florida to now this season kicking off for the first time in Texas this weekend. Uh, 24 cars are on this entry list. Notably, we've lost the Carlin entry, the 31, that we didn't know who was going to be driving it. It, it was apparently going to be a bit of um, musical chairs for that seat for the season. Felipe Nasser was supposed to be the guy driving it at St. Pete. He flew back, as we noted last week, from Brazil when it looked like the country was going to be a lot more difficult to get into. Uh, he will still need to be here, though, for the IMSA races, of course, but he will not be piloting that car at Texas this weekend. And indeed, that car not running at all. So quite a few um, fewer 
possible entries, I'll put it that way, than we were expecting to see. But of course, that comes with the time. We also heard that the third car for Aero McLaren Schmidt-Peterson not going to run at all this year. That was something that was another big question mark, the possibility of them running it at Indianapolis, perhaps for Alonso or Button or whomever they could uh, figure out what superstar to put in that car. That's not happening. Other than that, Tim, not too many big changes on the entry list as far as names go. Uh, A couple of really funny things that I noticed, though. Under car name, which is a column on the entry list, it says Husky Chocolate Chip Ganassi Racing for Marcus Erickson. Fantastic. Right? Doesn't it just sort of go perfectly together? Uh, We've also got Tony Kanaan back for AJ Foyt Racing, so he will continue his consecutive start streak, even though this is his final year in IndyCar and he's only running a partial season. But of course, being an oval means that he was already set to run this race. So it kind of worked out in his favor a little bit that they skipped the street course. You've got uh, Oliver Askew, Alex Palu, and Renus VK all making their IndyCar debuts this weekend at Texas. And also another big thing that you sort of forget, it hasn't happened yet, the arrow screen. That hasn't run in a race yet. Good point. We're so used to seeing these digital races. They've had the virtual races with the arrow screen. We've had all the testing that went on in the offseason, but it hasn't actually run in a race yet. So that's going to be another big thing for this weekend. And then it's a little bit disappointing because they're running this weekend, the first weekend of June. IndyCar is back. Yay, yay. When's their second race? Uh, July 4th. Yeah, that's kind of a bummer. Mm, because that's the same weekend as IMSA. No, it's a, it's a month in between races. Oh, yes, I see. So yeah. you get all excited about coming back. You get all ramped up. Uh, you're, you're ready to go. You do one race, and then you don't do anything for a full 28 days. Yeah. Understood. It's going to be on NBC in the States, uh, so it's got network TV coverage. Yeah, and they're doing a qualifying show. So practice is going to be on behind the paywall, the NBC Sports Gold. Then they're going to be doing qualifying, which is single car, two laps. That's going to be on Gold and on NBCSN. And then the pre-race show starts on NBCSN at 6.30, but then it goes to NBC Live for Green Flag at 7.05. So they are playing with the networks a little bit, but at least it is on the big network. Um, and another good news for us is that the part of the uh, coverage team is Marty Snyder and one Miss Kelly Stavis. So oh, Jamie excellent. got back to work last weekend and Kelly gets it this weekend. Oh, excellent. Uh, that, that's really good news. Yeah. Uh, six previous Texas winners will be racing this weekend, Shay, including the winningest driver at Texas Motor Speedway. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Can we t- including I, I, Brazil's Helio Castroneves. Who has clocked up the most victories. Four times. Yes, there we go. You see, it's, it's not difficult, is it? Helio's uh, not on the entry list, though. There are 24 cars listed. You're right, he's not, we've yes. Got, we've got three for Team Penske. Um, but it is interesting that yes, we've got the six previous, winners, previous winners, winners are Canaan, Dixon, Power, Carpenter, Ray Hall, and Newgarden. Yeah. Oh, and congratulations, by the way, to uh, Mr. Ray Hall, who he and his uh, wife, Ms. Force, announced that they're expecting their first child. Yes. Well done to them. What have they That's been up to cool. during uh, lockdown? I think we could. I don't <laughs> think you need to draw us a picture, Tim. 
Thank goodness it's radio. <laughs> I'll get my pens out. No, really don't. I was wondering where <laughs> you were going with that, but let's move on. Uh, <laughs> three of the last seven Texas races have had who on pole position? Ooh. Uh, Bourdais? No. Will Power. Will Power. I can't say poliest, can I? No, you can't say poliest. No. <laughs> Although that is funny. Uh, but he's never won from pole. Hmm. Uh, six drivers who have are. Uh, Dixon. No. Oh yes, yes. Two thousand eight. He did it. Yes, you're right. Um. Didn't Joseph do it last year? No. No. Uh. No. Can't remember. Helio Castroneves, Ryan Briscoe, oh, of course. Gilles de Ferran. Thomas Schechter and Sam Hornish Jr. Huh. That's good company. Uh, it's 24 years, I believe, since uh, Texas has been on the calendar. And uh, one, two, three, four, five drivers who have won at Texas have subsequently won the IndyCar title in the same season. That would be a little bit bold, though, for somebody to come out and win the first race of the season and then hold on to that to come out and win the championship. I don't mm-hmm. know when the last time that happened was. Um, but it, I do like when IndyCar does those uh, little statistics in their email and let you know that this race has been won by the future champion this many times. We should also say, by the way, it's a 200-lap, 300-mile race, so they will be racing long into the darkness, even though it'll be practice and qualifying run when the sun is fully up. Who should we watch out for at the weekend, then? Ooh, uh, well, Joseph, I suppose. Sure. The th- I suppose the thing is, we've got... What's odd about this, Shay, is we don't have anything to put it up against because we haven't had any running yeah uh we don't know and they don't ever start on an oval no we don't have any sort of indication as to who's looking good from preseason form because they've been doing other things i suppose by that form we should say that scott dixon's gonna win the race because he got a new rolex but that was all the way back in january so you can't really base anyone off of what they've been doing extracurricularly unless you include the uh, virtual competition that's been going on as well, which I I don't know. I I don't know how that's going to translate. But in terms of who to watch out for, I think you would have to rely off of what we saw last season. So Joseph Newgarden, definitely, because the reigning champion, he won the race a year ago. He's somebody that we have to keep an eye on. He put that magnificent move on Pagano at the end of the race last year. That was really that... It, it said a lot. It was a statement of intent as to what was going to come for the remainder of the season. But in terms of people who have been hyper-focused in the offseason, I would put Simon Pagino firmly in that blanket because he won the Indy 500 last year. Now he wants to win the championship. Mm. So it, it's an interesting dichotomy between the two Penske teammates, the three Penske teammates in effect when you throw Will Power in there too. But Will is always going to be a force to be reckoned with. And if you take the Penske situation back another level, you remove the IndyCar element from it, we've got a very interesting situation with the three Penske drivers in NASCAR. Blaney and Logano already have contracts for next year. Mm -hmm. Brad Keselowski, who's come off of two race wins in a row, doesn't yet have a contract for next year. 
So Roger always likes to have people trying extra hard to be the favored child. That That's always going to happen. We don't know yet which of the three drivers he has in IndyCar is going to be the one slightly more on the outs. Last year, prior to the month of May, it was widely acknowledged and believed that that was Simon Pagano. Well, then he went on to win every single race in the month of May. So yes. it, it's sort of... It's curious, and that's something that we always watch out for, and we watch with a nice big bowl of popcorn next to us. Yeah, very good. Uh, very good. Uh, I'm reminded, by the way, and I'm sorry I forgot about this, because the Super Sport race um, was won by the Mexican rider. And I, I, can't, I can't find the standings. But Alan Pross is absolutely right. He got bumped off the track early on, down to 6th or 7th, and then... He just literally rode through the field uh, to a three-second lead uh, at the fi- at the finish. And I'm on the website trying to find out um, the lad's name, which I can't remember. That's terrible. So I apologise uh, for that. Uh, let me see if I can find that. But it, that was a great ride back in the uh, in the second in the second race, and that's not helping me at all. Because it's not telling me where he came from. Uh, oh, that's the superbike anyway. That's why I can't find him. Uh, let's have a quick update on um, my, one of my favourite places to go in the state, Nashville. But not for Music City, necessarily. And the home of country music in the USA. Uh, and also home to Owen and Jen Trinkler, two of my very favourite people in the IMSA uh, paddock among a paddock that has lots of lovely people in uh, it's motorsport news from nashville in regards to the nascar race that we discussed uh gosh was that a couple months ago now at <laughs> Feels this point like time it, all blurs it? together uh that race has been given the green light for 2021 oh, really? but not everyone's excited about it i was quite shocked to see chase elliott responding to the good news that Nashville would be potentially on the 2021 calendar, it's looking better and better. He said, quote, one snooze fest at that joint will put the nail in the coffin of the fairgrounds. Bummer, unquote. So it doesn't sound like he's very happy to be going one state further north than his native Georgia. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a little bit shocking. But good news for Owen and company that they, it looks like they are going to be getting their opportunity. Okay. That seems all right. And quickly finish off uh, with a bit of IMSA news and some very good news, in fact, for all American motorsports, because there there has been, thanks to the uh, ministrations, if you will, and the submissions of uh, a number of organisations, including IndyCar and IMSA, in addition to the accepted pro-athlete uh, admission to the USA uh, regulations. As we talked about yeah. last week. Yeah, it's changed again this week as well, apparently. Race car drivers have been uh, given a more of a green light to come in, which is good news, engineers included. Um, but the SSR for Daytona, at least the WeatherTech 240, as that race has been deemed, uh, there is a restriction 15 crew members, including your drivers, per IMSA team for the WeatherTech Championship. But when we come time to go to Sebring, there will be a further restriction for Michelin Pilot Challenge and the IMSA Prototype Challenge 
of 10 people per team. So it's it gets a little bit tight when you look at some of the small teams even. They have a maximum maybe somewhere between 12 to 14 people each weekend. So there will be no extra people walking around in the paddock. But again, it's for safety. It's a good thing. Uh, and I think it was Jorge Ehrenstein from Guadalajara who uh, won that second Supersport race. Was it Eggerstein or was it Sadakoff? I think it was Ehrenstein that won it. There was two uh, Mexican riders in. It was excellent, excellent stuff. Uh, let's finish off with one more thing from Tim Gray. We started tonight with calendar news. We had calendar news in the middle uh, and then some more calendar news. So let's end with some calendar news. All right, then. Shall uh, we have some calendar news, then? We reported uh, a few weeks ago, news. maybe longer than that, maybe it was uh, the start of May, uh, about the new uh, DTM calendar. Well, it's changed again. Uh, so they're still hoping to start at the Norris Ring on the 10th to the 12th of July. But instead of then going off to St. Petersburg, they're going to Spa uh, on oh. the 1st and 2nd of August. Uh, then they go to the Lausitz Ring, Assen, uh, the Nürburgring, Zolder and Hockenheim. Uh, and the races at uh, the Lausitz Ring and Zolder are um, double headers but over consecutive weekends while the two races at the Nürburgring also uh, are on consecutive weekends, but also on different versions of the track. So they're using the Gross Price Striker for mm. uh, round six, and the smaller version that cuts out the loop uh, f- the following weekend. Uh, coming up tomorrow, Torah Radio Show we've talked about. It's Krilsey and the On The Grid team. Uh, Shebex and uh, the rest of the gang talking motorsport Australian style uh, and that will be from 8 o'clock for the Toro Radio Show with those new updates for iRacing and Matt's been doing some test driving on some of the new cars then 9 o'clock for On The Grid and don't forget at 3 o'clock on Saturday 3pm UK 3pm Eastern 3pm Pacific on RS3 and simulcast on RS1 this week it's uh, our New football show, soccer show, which is foot, the Football Rewind. Declan Brennan this week looking back at a classic goal of the month competition, which is playing out at the moment in terms of a head-to-head on a ladder-style competition on Twitter. Football, uh, sorry, Rewind underscore football. If you haven't subscribed to that, you should do. It's a wonderful production uh, from Declan and his many uh, football-orientated guests, including, sadly, me last week, who had to talk about my team being beaten. If you haven't heard the first couple, they are on radio-show.co.uk. Join us next week from 8 o'clock onwards. Thank you to all of our guests tonight. Cyril Tashvalen from the Asian Le Mans series, our VCO Victory Lane guests Phil Ellis and Jack Sedgwick, Nick Damon and Shea Adam were our correspondents. And our big interview from Travel Destinations was Richard Webb. Tim Gray was, uh, as ever, is. It's not like he's got anywhere. Uh, Tim Gray is our executive producer. And, of course, the responsible adult is everywhere. It's been busy on Specutainment tonight on Twitter. Thank you for joining in with the conversation. Have a fabulous end of the week and Weekend. I'm off to do a bit of volunteering tomorrow and delivering some cars for good causes. You'll see that 
on at Specutainment. But there's no time to explain because the llama is getting ready for full metal racing. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.